everybody. Welcome to Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. We are your ghostesses, Corinne and Sabrina. This is our encounters episode number four? Yeah, I think so. Number four. Whoa. Fourth episode where it's your stories, you guys. Everything that you've experienced. Your scary ghost stories. Yeah, which is really, really terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of people that have had just experiences with spirits is crazy. But the amount of terrifying emails we get where I'm like, I don't even know how I would react in that situation. Because I feel like I've learned that there are so many more ways that the paranormal exists that I was closed off to to my whole life or never experienced myself and I almost was happy. (laughs) I was very glad to never experience those things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way. I was like, oh, my experiences are really scary, but really they're pretty benign compared to... Yeah, in comparison. ...the majority of our listeners. I know. But... Okay, so I don't really want to admit to this, but I'm a little nervous that there's something going on in my life. Like paranormal? Be- well, I don't want to say it, but yeah. <laughs> because um, Nick's dream, and then I've been yeah. very lucidly dreaming lately. And last night... I woke up in the middle of the night, and I usually never check my phone, but for some reason I was like, I should check my phone. And I pressed the button on my phone, and it is 3 a.m., and immediately turns to 3.01, and I was like, this is weird. Like, maybe it's mm-hmm. just a coincidence. Maybe I just woke up this time. But it took Maybe me you an- just accidentally woke up at the devil's hour. Yeah. And then it took me an hour to fall back to sleep, and I kept feeling like I was hearing voices, but it was like lucid dreaming. Yeah. <gasps> But it's cool. Just, you have to sage. I know that Nick doesn't like sage, but I don't care. I will discuss with him. I'll come over and sage. He can yell at me. Wait, will you actually? Because I am missing you in my life and wish you were here. (laughs) When I'm out there in March, I'll break in and sage your apartment. You'll never know. You'll never know. I'll just, like, leave the key under the mat and you can come in. Perfect. I don't know how she got in. I mean, you got to do something. If you don't have good energy, you've got to do something. So, I know. You can't just sit there and say that something's happening and not do anything about it. But I don't really want to admit that anything's happening. And nothing, like, it's not, I don't know. It might be. It might be. Nothing's manifesting in form. Oh, but actually, speaking of missing you, this weekend we had uh, Caitlin and Austin's engagement oh, party. I know. And the so whole, I missed it. The well, you were basically there because the whole time we were talking about you and me and the ghost stories. And Caitlin's mom told me a bunch of ghost stories, and all of our friends who don't listen were like, "Okay, I'm gonna download it." And I watched them all download episodes to listen to. Heck yeah! Do people get pretty drunk at the engagement party? Yes. Okay, because I I FaceTimed Caitlin to be like, hi, I'm sorry that I can't be there. And she answers, and she just, like, smiles and waves at me, and then she hangs up. So I was like, oh, she's just going to text me and say that it was too loud, but nothing. No, she was very... What time did did you call? Definitely at the tail end, because it was until 5, right? So I called at, like, 4.30. Oh, yeah. 
I think at like three, she go, she comes up to everyone. She goes, "Why aren't you getting drunk?" And we're all like, <laughs> "We are. It's like we are. This is going to be such a fun wedding." I know. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Oh my gosh, my mom sent me. She sent me something because one of her good friends' mother, so an older woman, she's a part of one of those like neighborhood watch sort of sites where like all the neighbors can communicate together. And my mom forwarded it to me, but there was someone in Shelburne, Vermont, who posted and said that they are um, like a, a ghost hunter and are looking for any haunted houses to go investigate. What? Yeah, so this, like, 80-year-old woman got an alert being like, I'm a ghost hunter. <laughs> Let me in. I oh, was my like, God. that's so cool. Wow. Yeah, on their little neighborhood page. <laughs> that's amazing. I know. So cool. I just started reading a book that I got for Christmas. I can't say much about it because I don't know if it's good yet because I'm only, like, 20 pages in. But it's all about ghost hunters, and it's Ooh. called – I think it's called John Dies at the End – by David Wong. It's called John Dies at the End. Yeah. So it just tells you that he dies? Mm-hmm. It's like that book, Me Before You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next one is Me After You. So I'm like, right. well... Obviously, you know what happens. Now I know the ending of the first <laughs> book. <laughs> but at least then you can prepare for it. Yeah, I guess. That's true. It's still just as sad. Yeah. Should we jump into a story? Yes, we should. Well... We got a black-eyed kid story. We got a few black-eyed kid stories because I know you responded to some, and yeah. then I also responded to some. Oh so we have many. Well, I'm going to read one right now. Perfect. Well, we got a listener story, and I won't say his name because he wants to remain anonymous. But he emailed at first saying, hey, guys, I know I'm a little late, but I have a black-eyed children's story. If you're interested in hearing it, I never shared it with anyone because I assumed I was batshit crazy, so I would refer to Maine Anonymous. But if you guys are open to hearing these sorts of things, I hope you won't have me committed. Anyways, (laughs) love the show and keep up the good work. And I was like, of course we want to hear it. Yes. No committing will take place. Uh, Okay, so he said... Well, my story is not very dissimilar to the stories I heard on your podcast and also on Astonishing Legends. I'll preface this this by saying I had never heard of any other black-eyed kid stories before I had heard of your podcast and Astonishing Legends talk about it. This was in March of 2013 in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I live and grew up. I know the date because it was just a couple of weeks before my birthday. I I was living in an apartment on the second floor with my girlfriend at the time. It was about 9 p.m. My girlfriend was asleep as she worked early the next morning, and I was watching TV in the living room when I heard a knock at the door. It wasn't an aggressive knock. It was just sort of persistent and panicked sounding. I looked through the peephole, and I didn't see anything, which was odd, obviously. Anyways, I opened the door, and there were three children outside. All three were boys. All three were pretty average-looking white kids. One was standing almost in the doorframe, and the other two were standing booked and the other two were standing back looking over the railing of the walkway. The one closest to the the door was probably 15 or 16, and the other two looked much younger, maybe 8 or 9. Anyway, the oldest boy was looking past me, kind of downwards, and he asked me if he could come in and get some water in a flat and monotone voice. As others have said, I had an immediate feeling of dread as soon as I heard the boy speak. Mm -hmm. I took a step back, 
almost involuntary as if I was going to let them in when I caught sight of one of the younger children staring my way with black, void eyes. I immediately stepped back into the doorway and looked back to the older kid who was staring at me by by now with, you guessed it, all black eyes. His face had twisted into a kind of snarl, almost like he was trying to fake a smile, but he had never really smiled before. Oh. And I, yeah. Oh, that's so creepy. I know. It reminds me of like a, like the lizard people. Lizard it also man. reminds me of Coraline. Oh my gosh, that was the scariest children's movie. That should not be rated what it's rated. With her parents with the button eyes. Mm. Ugh. And I remember he had really dark gums, which is a detail that we didn't wow. hear before, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Because maybe people are so focused on the eyes that they don't notice. Ew. It's like, oh. it's like they're rotting from inside. Ew. Oh, my gosh. Oof, what's wrong with them? At this point, I was sweating profusely and had no idea what to do. I was frozen with fear. The leader asked me again, slightly more aggressively, if they could come in for some water. But seeing his pitch black eyes within a couple of feet of my face snapped me out of my frozen state and I just slammed the door. This was not quite the end of it. As I walked out onto my balcony immediately afterwards to get some air and have a drink to calm my nerves, there, down on the ground, were the three children staring back up at me. <laughs> it's like, you won't let us in, but we can... We can watch you as you do your, as you try to like catch your breath after seeing us. Yeah. They remain there. They post up. They stake it out and see if you'll change your mind. Or maybe I, are observing you to see what they could say next time. Right. Oh. When they send three little girls this time to see if you'll let them if in. That instead. will change your. Oh, God, I don't like that. I never saw them again, but to this day, I still have nightmares, and I get that same sense of dread every time there's a knock at my door. Anyways, I appreciate you guys listening, as I have never had any intention of telling this story, but I hope it proves therapeutic for me. Let me know if you have any questions or or need clarifications. Thank you. Whoa. Yeah. It's just so crazy because... It's all the black-eyed children stories, the black-eyed kids, they're all just so similar. Right. Like, there's so many similarities, and there's no explanation. They don't do anything that clues you into why. What they are, why. Yeah. And, like, it, it's so interesting that they they target people, and they're not flexible in their targeting. Like, I feel like there's, like, what is the method behind it? You know, like, when right. he said no, why not go across the, the hall and knock on that door? Yeah, go to the neighbors. But no, right. it's that one specific person that yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Which, also, when I hear a knock on my door, that's scary enough. But to have had this experience and then anytime someone knocks on the door. Because if someone's coming over, you know. No right. one just knocks on your door randomly unless they're trying to sell Jesus to you or, like. Well, I don't, I don't answer the door. Yeah. I never do. Because unless I'm expecting someone and then I know that they're coming over and what time they're coming. And then otherwise it's just FedEx or UPS or whoever. So then I don't answer and then an hour later I'll go check to see what was left. Wait. Do you remember when we went to LMU, there were people in the neighborhood that would go around dressed in the LADWP, the water department and energy uh, outfits, and they'd knock on the door and say, gas company. And then they'd 
have guns and hold hold them up if you open the door. No. I don't yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. It happened right outside of LMU. Holy crap. We did have, like, in the house that we lived in, we had plenty of weird people come to the front. But we also had the upstairs balcony. So I would go out if, like, the person was lingering we would go out on um, to our balcony, like, upstairs and yell down and say, what do you want? That's smart. I am. Um, so, you know, how I so this weekend I had I was getting ready and I was making my bed and I, I start hearing something outside the window and I see a figure. And I was like, OK, this is weird. And I text Corinne. And I was like, I wish you were here. There's a man outside my window and you would be <laughs> the one to yell at him. But I think he was just doing work. Although I found a pair of black gloves, like rubber gloves by the side of my patio or, like, by my balcony that looked like they just were taken off. That's a little weird. I know. Because, like, if I saw that in New England, I wouldn't think anything of it because it's like, oh, it's cold out, people wear gloves, and they fall out of your pocket. But you're in But they're not even – yeah, but they're not even, like, that kind of gloves. They're, like, the doctor gloves, but they're black. Next time, this is what I did when I lived in my college house. Mm-hmm. Every single time someone was outside of my house, I would sneak photos of them. I would take pictures of their car. I would write down their license plate numbers. I had a full-on, <laughs> like, 50-page manuscript of people stalking my house or who I thought was stalking my house. <laughs> You should start, if someone's outside your window or someone's doing something weird, taking photos. Yeah. I, I even did that did. one time on Lincoln Boulevard. It was when... Before all of, like, Playa Vista was made and it was all under construction. And there was this guy that was, like, driving erratically because he was trying to stare. He was, like, very observant of the buildings but in a weird way. So Mm. I wrote down his license plate because I was, like, if they find a body in there, it's this dude. He's acting very bizarre around. You're just going to solve crimes. I am, you know. I have everybody's license plate numbers. Every single person Crin crosses paths with. Everyone's a suspect until proven innocent. So. Is that how it works? It's how I work. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. But that's a little weird. It's a glove thing. I know. Just keep your doors and your windows locked. Yeah. Actually, we, yeah, we lock everything. Teach Leia some combat moves. No, she'll just go jump in my laundry basket where it's smelly and hide in there. No, she needs to learn how to attack. That's why you need a dog. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy with my Leia. My cuddly okay, cute fine. Leia. Okay, your turn. Okay. All right, this one is from Sarah, and it's called The Owls Are Not What They Seem. And I felt <gasps> like I had to include this after calling owls bad omens in our last episode. So here okay. we go. Hey, y'all. Loving the pod, and I listen on my way to work every Monday, and actually makes me look forward to the drive, which (laughs) I think is high praise. So thanks for making my Monday mornings bearable. Warning, heartfelt content ahead. It's a little lengthy, but these are mostly good encounters. There's one that is a bit creepy about a Ouija board, but the rest are sweet. Nothing's from the great beyond. All are true firsthand accounts. (sighs) So is she going to make us cry? Is this what she's saying? I think it's also... I'm a little exasperated just because I can't read. I want to do her justice. (laughs) Okay, she said. Anywho, on to the interesting and eerie things. First, I'll start by saying that my mother passed away when I was quite young. 
I was due to be born on my mom's birthday, May 18th, which would have made me a Taurus like her. But I was a week late, so that put me on the Gemini side of the cusp. My dad remarried my wonderful stepmother, and she has been in my life and in the role of my mother since I was about five. And she is also a Gemini. So I'm pretty sure I was a week late for a reason. Also, after my brother was born, my dad was in an accident and scared my mom and put into perspective how fleeting life can be, which is why they decided to have another child so soon after the first one. My brother and I are only 16 months apart. And I always think it's like real life foreshadowing, which is sad, but also very intuitive. And I'm obviously grateful because otherwise I wouldn't be here. Upbeat aside, my dad is a Virgo and I'm about to marry another Virgo. So my parents and me and my fiance all get along swimmingly. That means she'd get along with us. Yes. I think because we're Virgos. I'm a Leo. Oh, I'm a Virgo. What? I thought you were. What is the what's the cutoff? It goes, like, most of August is Leo, and then it's, like, the 23rd or something turns to Virgo. Oh. And then... Well, then she would get along with me. Mid to late September, you turn into a Libra. She'd get along with you. The stars. Okay. So now that you know about my mom's death, let me go into the saga of my mother's communication with me via dreams and as an owl. My mom was a very religious and spiritual person and also an artist. More on that later. So was her mom and so on back many generations. I'm not particularly religious, but I consider myself spiritual and artistic. And rather than talking to gods, I tend to talk to my mom in a prayer-like fashion. My mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer on my brother's second birthday when I was seven months old. She died when I was three. Wow, that's so When I was four, I still hadn't quite grasped that she was gone for good and it caused a lot of behavioral issues naturally. One night I had what at the time I considered a terrible nightmare in which my parents, my brother, and I were all in our station wagon driving through the local strip mall parking lot. My dad dropped my mom off in front of the Sally Beauty and we began to head over to the park in front of the radio shack. But before we could park, I watched as my mom ran after us instead of going into the store. And then some weird, illogical, dreamy stuff went down where all of a sudden my dad swung the car around. My mom was running straight for us. But as she was running, her body was gradually turning into wood. Eventually, she was solid wood and she fell to the ground. And the station wagon ran over her wooden body and crushed it. My dad slammed on the brakes and we all just sat there in shock when suddenly the sound of multiple and simultaneous taps started coming from under the car. Then tiny splinters began to shoot through the floorboard and attempt to reassemble themselves. And then I woke up screaming, sobbing, and completely soaked in sweat. At the time, it seemed like a horrifying nightmare. And it woke up my dad, who had who had to carry me to the bathtub and rinse me off. And I vividly recall him wringing out my nightshirt over the tub and being concerned that it was all sweat and not pee, which would have been less weird for a kid at that age. Wow. Anyway, fast forward to high school. I'm a hormonal 15-year-old girl who can't communicate her feelings or problems to her parents without bursting into tears. God, I remember those days. Yeah. How horrible. <laughs> One night, I was out to dinner with my dad, and he brought up some behavioral issue I was experiencing. From there, as often as I did, the conversation turned to my mother and how much we both missed her and how it would be great if she could offer her perspective, etc. 
and we cried together and he told me how much she would have loved to see me at this age blah 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 and finally it hit me i know this is so this is like a huge tearjerker heart crusher like a ton of bricks i suddenly understood like a ton of bricks i suddenly understand the dream from 11 years before my mom sent it to me And it had to be terrifying for me to remember it so vividly so I could come back to it when I finally understood. So here's how it looked once I had this new perspective. We went and dropped off my mom at one store while we went into another because we had to let her go and we couldn't join her where she was going yet. She ran after us because she didn't want to leave us. She turned into wood because she couldn't stop nature from running its course. Oh my gosh, I'm getting chills. I know. And we ran over her because we couldn't stop it either. Then she sent the splinters, the literal pieces of her, back into the car and began attempting to put herself back together because we will always have that part of her with us. This wasn't meant to be a nightmare. It was my mom's creative way of ensuring that I got a message from her when I needed it most. It's so symbolic. It is. And this wasn't the only time this sort of thing happened. My mother has reached out to me on several occasions. Right after she died, a man delivered a painting of hers that she had done in the hospital back to the house. She was on morphine at the time and she at the time she did it and it was very vivid and whimsical. Titled Down in Birdland, it had numerous species of birds on a bright background and it resonated with me as a child. I fell in love with the owl in particular and that became a theme of how my mother spoke to me over the years. My dad started to date my stepmom when I was five, and they didn't marry until I was 13. Slow and steady wins the race. (laughs) And when they got married, we moved out of my childhood home the same week, which was a lot of change at once. The first night we spent in the new house, I had an awful dream that our house was on fire, but an owl flew into my room and woke me up, and I was able to wake my brother and my parents and get us all out unharmed. I looked up at the lamppost at the end of the driveway and saw the owl perched there, watching us intently. This was the end of the dream. The next day, my stepmom and I were wary from the move and wedding stuff and missed the turn to the neighborhood on our last load of the day. That was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I saw my stepmom break down and cry for the first time that I could recall. We turned around, and as we searched for the right road, we saw an owl perched on the street sign. It was the right street and the very first owl either of us had seen in the wild. It took off as we turned down the road and it landed on a speed limit sign a little ways up the road. I was fascinated and watched the creature as we passed the sign. This time it stayed put and as we passed it swiveled its head around and watched us go before taking off again. When we finally got to the new house the owl was perched on the side of the roof. It returned several nights in a row after we officially moved in. I knew it was my mom watching over us and letting us know that she would keep us safe and that she knew where we were wow oh my gosh like very rarely during this podcast do i get warm chills yeah that just makes me happy and this is the only body shivers and like a small tear collecting on the side of my eye the whole time okay the next few times i saw her as an owl wasn't in dreams but each time seemed like a relevant sign i was on a road trip through california with some friends And we drove through a mountainous area where the wildfire broke out. And as I was arguing with the driver, my ex, about rerouting, everyone else wanted to continue and wanted to turn around. 
and with majority rule, we continued. About a mile down the road, an owl swooped down and landed right in front of the car, and we had to slam on the brakes. I didn't budge. Oh, my gosh. It didn't budge until my ex let off the brakes, and we almost hit it. I knew right then I was right to suggest turning back, but they didn't listen, and by the time we got to where we were, where they were fighting the fire, we were sent back by law enforcement blocking the road. Wow. Another time she came as an owl was when I was telling this very story to my class in college. The assignment was to tell a story to a small group, and then the group decided which story should be told to the bigger group, and finally which story should be told to the entire class. And the night before I was supposed to tell my story to the class, I was nervous about telling it in front of 300 people, so I went for a drive to clear my head. And coming upon the stop sign, I saw a tiny bird flutter down from the tree and land on the beam, in the beam of my headlights. A little owl stared at me, and I knew my mom approved of me sharing our story. Oh my gosh. No owl told me to write y'all about this, but I'll be sure to tell you if I see one after I send it, or if you share it on the pod. Oh my gosh, that would be so amazing. I know. I hope she does see one. I know. What, like, uh, I just feel like at all of the special moments in her life, there's going to be an owl that appears. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, on her wedding day? Uh-huh. Or when <sighs> she has her first child. All these things. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Should we go on to the Ouija board part? Yes. Of her uplifting yes. story? <laughs> turn it Turn it back around? Okay, okay. Okay. My grandfather asked about me the night before he passed away, and I was the first of only two granddaughters and the only granddaughter of the eldest child who passed away too soon, which gave me a special place in my grandpa's heart. I was the first in my immediate family to learn of his passing and wound up being the one to tell my brother. My grandpa's death was difficult on my grandmother, obviously, and she resorted to reaching out to him with a Ouija board one night during the week when we were there for the funeral and such. The same night she attempted to communicate, I had a terrible dream that she and I were hosting a seance, and as we attempted contact, the floor was physically ripped out from under us and a smoky-looking figure with green glowing eyes. Its basic shape bore a slight resemblance to my grandfather appeared from below. And my grandmother and I were holding onto each other and the nearby cabinet to keep from being pulled down by this entity. And that's when... I woke up, panicky, and with my feet hanging off the bed and my legs caught between the mattress and the bar at the foot of the bed. This isn't something you can easily achieve on your own, let alone in your sleep, and I have no history of sleepwalking, etc. I found out the next day that my uncle caught her with the board and interrupted her connection. My mom's mom passed away. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, that was clearly something dark imitating the shape of the grandfather. right. And something bad was going to happen if they didn't stop yeah. it. My mom's mom passed away in 2012, and I was working at a taco shop, which I opened every morning at 6 a.m. The morning she died, I heard my grandmother's voice distinctly say my name in my ear as I turned on the ovens at the restaurant. It didn't scare me or seem weird, but I didn't find out she died until after I got off work, and apparently she passed away at the same time I heard the voice say my name. Wow. Even though my grandmother has been gone for a few years, her estate is still being distributed amongst the family, and there's been some struggle to get everything cleaned up and cleared out, so I volunteered to help to make some of this happen. 
I never got a response from my aunts or my uncles about helping out, but I got a call to action from my mom and my grandmother in a dream. In the dream, I saw my grandmother standing in her driveway and gesturing to the unmowed lawn and the house overall, and behind her, I could see my mom pointing at the pool in the surrounding area. They both looked to me to be at the respective ages they were in the late 60s and early 70s. I wasn't around then, but I have photos of them from that time to draw a conclusion. And it seemed like they just wanted the place to be cleaned up. The dream ended abruptly when I was startled awake by a piece of plexiglass crashing down that was covering a painting of my mother's that hangs in my room now, but used to hang at my grandmother's house. I took this as a sign that it really was them in the dream and they wanted things restored to how they were before. And I had placed the plexiglass in front of the picture. Most recently, I went with my fiance, then boyfriend, to his family reunion where we spent the night at his aunt's house, which used to be his grandmother's house. Several relatives agree that the grandmother is still around and I immediately felt that it was true deep down upon arrival. We chose to sleep separately out of respect for his religious family, and when I woke up in the morning, I didn't know where anyone was, so I went to the kitchen for a cup of coffee. I heard a female someone quietly, but clearly say, good morning, Sarah, in a cordial tone. But (laughs) when I turned to see who it was, no one was there. I walked around. Oh my gosh, I have full chance. (laughs) I walked around, and it turned out that everyone was out on the front porch at the time. I asked them if anyone had been inside or if anyone greeted me, but no one had. They did, however, suggest that the grandmother probably stop by to introduce herself and welcome me to the family. Thanks for reading. Apologies for the length, typos, weird wording, etc. Keep up the spooky work, and I'll see you on the other side. Sarah. Wow. (laughs) I have so many emotions. I know. Wow, she took us through a journey. She's got, oh, yeah. She's got so many. many, Yeah. Especially in the dreams, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of her... And I feel like a lot of it is, like, a call to action or a sign that she should be doing something. Yeah, the like imagery that, is she just is so vivid and, like, the yeah. the, sim- the symbols in it. Well, that I feel like that dream, when I first read it and heard it, I, I wouldn't have been able to interpret it that way. But it clearly was only meant for her to mm-hmm. figure out. It was, like her mom knows her and how her brain works and was able to, right. in an artistic way, tell the story. And that's so, it just reminds me, I think I've even said this on the podcast before, where I had a dream when uh, one of the, my friends, when I was in eighth grade, had passed away. Right. And he's, I had a dream about him that was super vivid. It was a bunch of things that I didn't understand, and I told it to his parents, and they understood it all. Yeah. But that's wild, yeah. And she's been, like, she's been visited in so many different ways. She gets the dreams. She gets actual visitations where someone's speaking out loud to her, mm-hmm. and then also through animals and through real-life, tangible, living signs. Right. Wow. Dang, Sarah. Thanks for emailing. Seriously, thank you. So owls can be good. Yeah. We love, we love all animals, mm-hmm. and everyone else should, too. Well, I have one more listener story, and we reached out to a bunch of our favorite podcasts, and ask them if they have any ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Turns out almost all of them do. 
<laughs> so we are going to try and read some of our favorite podcasters' ghost stories. And um, this one is from Spectral Asylum, which is a podcast where they talk about mythology and the paranormal. And it's a couple named Laura and Craig. And this is their story. Hi, ladies. Laura here from Spectral Asylum Podcast. I've already sent you one story, but I want to share this one with you. You might find it amusing or die of fear. Either one. LOL. (laughs) This was one of the most terrifying things I've ever experienced, and I touched on it in one of our episodes, but was reluctant to give full details as I've only very recently come to terms with what had happened and made sense of it in my head. Plus, some people from work listen to our podcast. (laughs) We get that. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes we're like, oh, shoot, our family listens to this. <laughs> My grandma. I know. I stop swearing. I hadn't even thought about it in so long up until a few months ago. So here's the full story. I'm sorry it's so long. I just didn't want to miss anything. My story starts when I was around 16 years old, and I don't want to give out names because it was such a horrifying experience for us all, and I'm still best friends with the person in this story, but we don't talk about the experience. It's like the elephant in the room. Anyway, my boyfriend at the time, we'll call him Richard. Why does everyone call people Rick? Richard and Rick. Rick. My best friend, we'll call him Aaron, and myself, we're all hanging out one day. We were weird kids. We loved all things dark and spooky. We're still weird adults into the same stuff, but hopefully a bit smarter than we were when the story takes place. We were the kind of edgy kids that loved horror movies, occultism, and Ouija boards. Yet again, I must stress, we still love these things. We're just smarter. Anyway, we were all hanging out one day, and we'd been gaming, but we were bored of it, so we wanted to do something. I suggested we play a Ouija board session. I'd played with a Ouija board quite a few times in the past and didn't have anything majorly unsettling happen to me. In fact, it had been mostly positive experiences. They both agreed. We didn't own a Ouija board. Times were a bit different back then, and Ouija boards weren't as easily accessible as they are now with the internet. So we made one out of a big A3 sheet of paper and a glass as and a glass as the planchette. We sat around in a circle and we started asking if anything was around. For the first couple of minutes we received no response. We were starting to think it wasn't going to work and we decided to ask one more time. Is any spirit present? Almost instantly the glass moved to yes. At this point there wasn't really any apprehension. We weren't scared. In fact, we were excited. We almost started playing a game of guess who as it didn't really respond to anything other than yes or no questions. So we were all going to go through our dead relatives and asked if it was each one of them. Each time we got a no. After running out of questions, we asked, in what year did it die? Which someone told us that's the one question you're not supposed to ask, right? right? Mm -hmm. Or how did you die? I think those were like the two questions that are equivalent to asking a human how much we weigh. Right. Um, okay. The glass moved to the number zero. We were all confused at this point and each thought it was one of us, one of the others moving the glass. So to rule, okay, wait, we were all confused at this point and each thought it was one of the others moving the glass. So to rule that out, we asked for a sign that the spirit was around us, maybe to touch one of us or something. Almost instantly, Aaron felt a cold chill around his legs. He was wearing jeans and he was sitting crisscross, so it was a little odd, especially since Aaron was the biggest skeptic of all of us. So it was out of character for him to even express this feeling. At this point, there were a bit of fear and apprehension, and we demanded to know who we were speaking to, 
and the board spelled out S A T A N. No. No. Satan. I'm doing a lot of the food. <laughs> no. Definitely spelled differently. I know. But that would be interesting. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like mad that we're eating it. Um from doing a lot of demonology research as an adult, this now makes sense to me since demons feed off fear and it would kind of explain why he could only answer yes or no questions up until this point. Oh, that's interesting. We kind of laughed. Being the edgy kids we were, Richard asked the entity to tell him something only he would know, he would know the name of his father. Neither of us knew his name as Richard didn't speak about him. The glass started to move and Richard yanked his hand away as soon as it was done spelling out. So it was clearly the correct answer. Richard was angry and scared and demanded that the entity prove to him that he's real. A millisecond after he said these words, Richard's dog started barking and howling and they were the most docile creatures ever and never barked. We ran out into the kitchen to see if they were all right. And all four of them were cowered in the corner and their bedding was strewn all over the room. Oh, What? At this point, we decided to call it a day and stop playing. We went about our evening, and honestly, even though we were a bit creeped out, we didn't think too much about it. The next day, we were all together again at my house, and the fear had worn off, and we were feeling a bit brave, so we decided to play again. We almost felt cool that we had contacted Satan, (laughs) edgy kids. We assumed the positions we had the previous day and asked if any spirit was present. The glass moved to H-I. Hi. We just knew we were talking to the same entity. We weren't scared anymore, so we just started having a conversation with it. The initial shock had faded, so we were having fun. We asked it questions ranging from asking what it had for breakfast for asking what it was like on the other side. It honestly felt like we were talking to an old friend, as weird as that sounds. At this point, I was laying sideways. At this point, I was laying sideways, so the left side of my body was on the floor facing the board. We asked who it liked the most in the group, and the glass kept going to me, back and forth, back and forth. I realized the glass was bouncing against my breasts. I didn't like that, so I asked if it could stop. The glass then shot over to Richard and then spelled out the word D-I-E. We were back on edge, so we asked what it did, what did it mean, and it spelled out she's mine before shooting back over to me. I was sat bolt upright at this point. It started spelling out loads of sexual profanities, which I knew were directed at me. I was terrified at this point. I'll spare you the gory details on that one, but you get the idea. I wonder Aaron if it's just, like the incubus succubus. Oh. Which we'll cover one day. Oh, that makes it like less. No, that makes it more scary because those one, those spirits are like are known for actually acting. Yeah. On what they say. Their sexual impulses. <sighs> Um, Aaron decided to step away from the board and take his fingers off the glass. At this point, the glass started whirling around and around on the board with such ferocity that it actually cracked and broke. Oh my gosh. I didn't know much about Ouija boards, but I knew enough to know that it needed to be closed. So I got another glass and it immediately started darting between two letters. I'm not sure which ones they were. I was in such a state of panic. So we moved the glass to goodbye, which took a surprising amount of force, but it didn't stop. And it was now moving the glass backwards through the alphabet. We forcibly moved the glass to goodbye three times and folded up the board and stepped away. I was shaking at this point. While the aggression wasn't targeted at me, it seemed to revolve around me, which I didn't like. There was nothing left to say between us, so we were so we were so shook. So the two boys went home, and I went to my bedroom to get ready for bed. My parents and my brother were out 
So I was at, I was in the house alone. I started seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye. I thought it was my eyes playing tricks on me, more like I tried to convince myself it was. I knew it wasn't deep down. I decided to go for a shower and try to wake myself up. I didn't plan on sleeping after that whole ordeal. I kept seeing the shadows, but didn't think anything of it. I wasn't a stranger to seeing a few dark shadows. When I came out on the mirror was a fucking handprint on the fogged up glass. A fucking large handprint. That's way too real. Oh. Yeah. A large handprint. So I knew it was not mine or anyone who could have been in my house. Almost no human size. I thought, fuck this, and ran to my room and hid under my covers. Every slight noise made my heart race. I heard my parents come home, and that must have put me at ease because at some point in the night, I must have fallen asleep. Oh, God, it gets worse. Okay. I woke up in the middle of the night to a dark entity standing over me. I was frozen. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. I couldn't do anything, and I couldn't tell you what he looked like. It was like a dark mist, but in the kind of shape of a human, but not human, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, gosh. It pressed itself on top of me, and I felt ice coldness of his body against mine, pinning and weighing me down. And really sorry for this part. It's profane, and I literally haven't told anyone this because they think I'll – oh, my gosh. Wait. This is – this is it it. it. it is. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. It's profane, and I literally haven't told anyone this because they'll think I'm crazy, but from doing my own podcast, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable about talking about it. I felt him have sex with me. There was nothing I could do. It lasted for what seemed like forever, but it was probably only a few minutes. After it left, I could move, and I sat bolt right up in my bed. I turned on the light and threw off the covers to make sure there was nothing there. When I looked down, I saw a mark on my thigh. When I looked closer, I realized it was a slight purple bruise in the shape of a handprint. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I was not sleeping anymore. I couldn't stop crying. At first light, I called the boys and asked them to come over. They both said they hadn't slept because of paranormal activity in their homes. Richard said his dogs were howling all night and he kept getting ice cold breezes in his room. He ended up with scratches on his arm, which doesn't he doesn't remember doing himself. Aaron said he had cold chills in his room all night and his curtains flew open in the middle of the night. I couldn't bring myself to tell them what happened to me, so I lied and told them I had a similar experience as them. They were both terrified and I didn't want to scare them more. We never spoke about it again. After that, not much has happened directly, but the few years after that, we had some of the worst years I've ever experienced. Again, I'll spare you the gory details. Aaron and I are still best friends, but to be honest, ever since that, I felt some kind of darkness following me. It's really hard to explain, but over the years, I've almost grown comforted by it. It doesn't scare me anymore, which would probably explain why I still do Ouija boards safely, and the spirit and demon realms don't scare me anymore. I've been an avid researcher of the occult since that incident and do believe we were not talking to Satan, but an incubus, Zozo, or something similar. I do believe something has attached itself to me, but to be honest, I don't mind. It has helped to shape who I am, and I've embraced it. To be honest, this is the only negative experience I've had with a Ouija board. I think they're 100% safe to use if you use them right and are quite, and they can be quite enjoyable to use. So if your listeners are thinking of doing one, research first and be safe. Sorry this was so long. Love your show. As always, Laura. It was Incubus. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I've never actually, like, heard a firsthand story. Me neither. And I wonder how many other people have stories like this and are just so terrified to talk about it. Because it seems unfathomable. It seems so 
beyond and it's such a violation of you as a person. Right. Because a lot not, of times spirits to- don't have enough energy to actually like even touch you. Right. So for it to be able to hold you down and yeah, make you and not to get like political about it, but like anytime like a sexual assault in like real life happens, there people hardly believe that people. Sorry, people hardly believe women when they come out and say that. So or men too. I mean, now it's in the news all the time about all these like female teachers that were taking advantage of their students. Right. But like, I I just feel like that's hard enough to admit and feel like you have a community that a community that will believe you and be understanding of the situation let alone now if a ghost is doing it which it's like it, it too it brings up because we posted and we talked about and other people posted on our facebook page about that woman who did the interview in england right. about having sexual relationships with ghosts and then also but at least I was consensual. Well, yes, but then also there's the pirate thing where that woman just right. married the 300-year-old pirate and she said um, that they had, like, a great sex life and all this stuff. And it does make me wonder, not to ever say that those women are wrong, but it does make me wonder, like, where is the line between incubus and succubus and thinking just you're just normal. having a relationship with a spirit? Yeah. I don't know. But, oh, my gosh, how terrifying. And the boys, like, the, the guys that she played with, they yeah. experienced hauntings, That's too. so Ooh. terrifying. Yeah. I get that you can use a Ouija board and yeah. use it in the right way. But I just – it seems like the line between using it safely and something bad happening is so thin. It took – I mean, the courage that it takes for Laura to share that story, though, I, I think – is incredible so wow and if and seriously if anyone else has had this experience you're more than welcome to share it with us and like Mm -hmm. we believe everyone's stories and yes yeah we are believers definitely yeah okay well should i read our last last one of yeah this encounters yes okay this is called Haunted Highway, and it's from two girls, two friends, AJ and Mandy. They sent it to us together. They said, hey, ladies, so this story might be a tad long, but in order for y'all to get to the whole story, I had to tell it all. And I'm definitely late on sending this as it happened during Halloween. So a little background on this story. I listen to y'all all the time, and my best friend and I had to make a road trip from Texas to Illinois to pick up her brother slash my boyfriend. Confusing, I know. (laughs) We decided to take the road trip on Halloween. The whole trip, we listened to y'all's podcast in the car. It was a 16-hour drive, so about 10 episodes killed 10 hours of the drive, which was awesome. The last six hours or so, we listened to another podcast called Spooked. And of course, it's Halloween, so all of these stories are definitely freaking us out the whole road trip. That's awesome. We finally made it to Illinois in one piece, picked up her brother, and a few hours later, we head back down to Texas. Yes, it was a long-ass road trip. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I'd be like, homeboy, you need to buy a flight. <laughs> like, right. Or like get a bus ticket. Yeah, yeah. There's Greyhound buses. Although I guess it's like boyfriend and brother. So you yeah. Gotta... And when else are you going to get the opportunity to go on a long road trip with yeah. your Road friends? trips are fun. Yeah. So this is where it starts to get weird. 
We are telling my best friend's brother all about the podcasts and how crazy some of the stories are. So we decided again to re-listen to everything because it killed. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> because it killed time and y'all are hilarious and are great at telling our favorite ghost stories. So we get to Missouri finally around 5 p.m. and we stop and we get gas. We had the GPS running the whole time and Siri helping us out. The gas station was right off the highway. All we had to do was get straight back on the road and keep going, but for some reason, the GPS was taking us somewhere different. We didn't know the area at all, so instead of just getting back on the highway, we go where the GPS is taking us. Mind you, it was dark as shit, and we couldn't see anything. So we're heading on this dark-ass back road, and all of us are starting to feel uneasy. I'm starting to feel nauseous, and so is my best friend. My boyfriend is driving the car, and he starts to feel uneasy as well. Oh, no. We're going down this back road, and then it tells us to go down this dirt road in the middle (gasps) of the woods. We decided not to do that because something about the road told us it wasn't a good idea. Thank God for instinct. I know. Seriously. It's so – oh, the fact that, like, spirits can manipulate technology Technology, and and direct you and your GPS and your car somewhere unsafe is just – no. No, thank you. Okay. No. We decided not to do that because something about the road told us it wasn't a good idea. We keep heading down the road, and at some point, we decided to turn around and just head back to the gas station and start over because we were lost as fuck. We started (laughs) to head back, and the GPS starts to freak out, telling us to take a right and then a left and then a right, and it just keeps going back and forth in a matter of seconds. I grab my phone and end the route and restart it, which worked, and we started going down another road. The road was curving, had deep hills, and was turny as shit. Then the fog sets in. It's out of nowhere, and we are thick in these woods. The car windows are down to try to help with the nauseous feeling we are still getting, and the GPS said 13 miles until the highway. We're going about 60 miles an hour down the swervy pitch black and now foggy road, my best friend is a Wiccan, so she was pushing the fog away, which actually helps, and the fog disappears. We feel like we've been on this road for hours, which it shouldn't have been, right? Finally, we reach the highway, and all of us start getting goosebumps. You know how you get goosebumps, then they go away, and you're good? Well, not these. They kept coming back one after another, and finally I get the most sickening feeling that there's something in the car with us. No. Oh my gosh. I scream for everyone to roll down their windows. <gasps> and I look back at my friend who is in the back seat and I see the most disgusting shadow no. demonic creature. <gasps> I shit you not, this thing was fucking gross. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looked like Smeagol of the Lord of the Rings. So my friend and I told it to leave and it wasn't welcome. We gather all of our energy between the two of us, and we push it out of the car. And that's when my boyfriend saw it leave the car, cross in front of the car lights behind us, and go back to where it came. And I can tell you that that was the most terrifying feeling I've ever experienced. We look at the time. It's 8.30 p.m. We lost three hours, which didn't make any sense because we were only out there for an hour. My best friend starts Googling the road we were on, It was called Highway Y and finds it on Google Maps. It ended up being in the Mark Twain National Forest, and the road we were on was completely straight. No curves, no crazy turns, just straight. We made it home pretty shaken up. That's our story. I know it was long, but I had to let y'all know how crazy our road trip was. Keeping spooky. Love y'all. AJ and Mandy. I... 
Like, what? they were on a foggy, curvy, winding road because the GPS kept trying to direct them deeper and deeper into the forest. They finally come out of the road. There's something in the backseat that the girls can see. The thing leaves. The boyfriend can see this crawling creature dart behind the car in the rearview mirror. And then they go back on the highway. Three hours have passed. Which really, they only went 13 miles out of the way one way and 13 miles back. Yeah. That should have been 25 minutes, maybe an hour at most. And then they find That's, out that the road was straight. And it, it that makes, oh my God, that must have been so powerful in order to like manipulate three minds, make them feel nauseous this whole time, <gasps> and then change their perception of where they are. Like what kind of creature is that that's living in the woods over there? We thought... Wakehurst Parkway was scary. Right. Mm-hmm. What the heck? You're not safe in your car either. Oh. So creepy. This episode was very scary. <laughs> yep. So that wow. was the road trip of to hell. AJ and Mandy. Maybe it was taking them to hell. Through the Mark Twain National Forest? I don't know. Maybe there's a portal. It's that that is like the the outstanding question that we have with all of these stories. Like, what would have happened, right? If you went down that road, what would have happened if you let the kids come in and use your phone? What would have happened if you didn't close out the Ouija board? All of these questions. Are there other people that had those really bad experiences and something awful happened and they can't talk about it or they're no longer here to talk about it? Gulp. Gulp. Grab. I'm going to sage after this. I am. I was going to sage before, and then I was trying to find some of our listeners' stories that I wanted to read. Um, So I didn't end up having time. But I'm going to sage because last night, I normally am never scared in my house. And last night, I woke up to go to the bathroom. And I stood in front of my bedroom door. And I, everything in my body was like, do not open that door because (gasps) something will be standing on the other side. And I never think that. I never think that. I wake up every night oh. to go to the bathroom. I think that every night. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, I never do. I always feel, like, good. The energy's been fine here. But then then I heard my roommate, like, talking on the phone because <laughs> middle of the night. It was 1130. <laughs> <laughs> it was Casey standing outside your door. No, she, no, she was in her room. But then the feeling kind of oh. dissipated. So maybe there was something, and then her talking kind of broke it up. But I, like, darted oh, back and forth. That was the only time that I've actually been like, I shouldn't open the door. Like something or someone is in here. So I'm going to, and I felt uneasy today too. So I'm going to sage after this. Yeah, sage. Then then get in your car, road trip over here and sage my apartment. I will. Well, everyone else, send us your ghost stories. Send them to twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes because that is – just something that you should do for us yeah (laughs) Uh, i don't know how many other ways i can say it just do it please 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 it keeps us on the charts we're always we're always bouncing in between 100 and 200 and we like to push into the top 100 yeah keep us relevant you know join us on social media we have twitter instagram and facebook Mm -hmm. and share our podcast with your friends and family and we will See you you on the other other side. side.